You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. This week, we start a new nine-week sermon series called Identity. We're going to, over the next nine weeks, begin to discover and see our identity and who we are as believers in Christ. Have you ever asked the question, who am I? What am I doing? What is the purpose of my life? So we're going to talk about our identity over the next nine weeks. I'll be uh, preaching this week and uh, we'll be covering some material this week. Next week, as we as a church, we seek to raise up future leaders and pastors in our church. We're going to be having our church revitalization residents who've been spending almost the last year with us. Uh, Stephen Ellison will be sharing next week, preaching next week. And then James Muller will be preaching the week after that. Mike Fitzgerald will be preaching um, after that. And then um, Pastor Jason will be preaching. I'll be preaching for a couple weeks. So we're going to be doing some shared preaching. It is healthy for the church to hear a different voice. And so we're going to be doing that, getting some different voices. We don't want to have one voice as we look through Scripture together, but many voices and perspectives. And so I'm excited to be sharing the preaching load over the next nine weeks with these guys as well. So we're starting this new nine-week sermon series in Ephesians 1 called Identity. So if you have your Bible, if you don't have one, there is a Bible in the pew in front of you that you can take home with you. We're going to be camped out in Ephesians chapter 1 for the next nine weeks. We're going to be moving slowly and methodically through Ephesians 1 as we discover who we are in Christ. You see, in our, in our country, there's an identity crisis. We are all trying to figure out our identity, who we are. There is a thing called identity theft. If someone were to get a hold of your social security number, they could have access to your bank accounts, to your uh, personal information, so you can buy different products to protect you from identity theft. Well, I believe, firmly believe, that we as Christians and that we as churches are going through an identity crisis. Personally, we can go through an identity crisis spiritually because it's so easy for us to begin to find our identity in so many other things in our lives. We can find our identity, who we are, in our jobs, our careers, our family. If we're not careful as parents, we can get so wrapped up in our kids, and we can def- that will define us. If we're not careful personally, we can find our identity in relationships. We can find our identity in family. We can find our identity in so many things, and the list is endless. And here is the reality that we live in. If we find our identity and value in something else other than Christ, we will be left with a feeling of emptiness every time. If we allow our jobs, our careers, our family, our relationships to define us, we will be left empty. We will be left lost. We will be left looking for something better in our lives. 
And when we look at if we find our identity and our personal value in something other than Jesus, here's the black and white reality. We're guilty of idolatry. Because in our lives, when something becomes more important than Jesus, and we place more value in Jesus, and we, when we find our identity in what we do and who we are in something other than Jesus, we personally are guilty of idolatry. We are looking and we are worshiping, for, worshiping something else. Churches can find their identity in something else in Christ. And my, uh, I have the privilege to oftentimes meet with and, uh, and, and talk with other churches that are declining and dying. And everything that I've discovered over the last few years, that when churches decline, it is not a problem in leadership, it's not a problem in anything else. It's a problem that the church has found its identity in something else other than Jesus. Churches can find their identity in music style and whether they like the music or not. What people wear to church, what the church looks like, what's going on in the church. And if a church finds its identity in something else other than Christ, it will die. So faith family, if we find our identity as a local church, if we find our identity in something else, then Jesus, we will die. So as we go through this series in the next nine weeks, we're going to see here in Ephesians 1, we're going to see spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ. These spiritual blessings, they define who we are. And we will begin to find our true identity in Christ. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and look at verse 3. That's where we're going to start this morning. Look at verse 3. Paul says this. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Don't miss the significance of this verse, because what Paul is doing, Paul here in Ephesians 1 is leading us into worship. He is saying, blessed is the, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. So what Paul is saying is, in Christ, we have every single spiritual blessing that there is. So you know what that means for you and me? If we have been blessed... With every spiritual blessing in Christ, in the heavens, that there is possible out there, we are spiritually wealthy people. We are loaded. We are the Bill Gates of spiritual people. So Paul says here that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ. So our wealth is in Christ. We are spiritually wealthy because of Jesus Christ. And so because of these spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ, we're going to unpack over the next nine weeks these spiritual blessings. And here's how they come to us. All these spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ, they come to us because of our union with Christ. 
This is a great, great doctrine that I think is often overlooked. The fact that you and I, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are united with Christ. We are equal with Christ. So this doctrine of unity with Christ that the believer has, what that means is everything that Jesus Christ has, and we'll unpack this in a few weeks, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but everything, every spiritual blessing that Jesus receives as the Son of God, we too receive. We have unity with Christ. We are, unity, we are united in his life. We are united in his death. We're united in his resurrection. We are united in his ascension. So if a believer comes to know God through Christ, everything that is true about Jesus is true about us. That's called the union with Christ. This is great. This is awe, and this should move us to worship. Because we have every spiritual blessing that there is. And these spiritual blessings is what we as believers find our true identity in. Our identity is not found in our jobs. Our, job, our, our, our identity is not found in our family or relationships or what our last name is. Our church is not defined and we do not find our identity in our music style and what we wear and anything else we could come up with. Our identity is found in Christ and the spiritual blessings that we receive from him. So this morning, we are going to look at the first thing that's listed here, the first spiritual blessings here in Ephesians 1, as we are chosen and predestined in Christ. So let's look at verses 4 and 5 as we continue on. As we discover our identity, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, who this defines who we are, we are chosen and predestined in Christ. So look at verse 4. And here's what it says. It says, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself. So we see here that God has chosen and predestined us. Now, even as I've used the words chosen and predestined, I have seen tension rise up in a lot of our body languages. We don't like the words chosen and predestined because in some church circles and different Christian flavors, these words are, you might as well start cursing. They are bad words. But these words chosen and predestined have been some of the most debated and divisive words in the Bible. You just mentioned the words chosen, you just mentioned the word predestined, and you will see people tense up. You want to try and start a good church split? Start talking about chosen and predestined. So we're going to talk about chosen and predestined this morning. I'm just kidding. You, if we spend a lot of time talking about the dumb one's going to get bit. But why is that? These are not bad words. These are not cuss words, predestined and chosen. They're Bible words. They're in the Bible. 
And as we look at this and as we unpack this this morning, we should celebrate these words that we are chosen and predestined in Christ. These Bible words, chosen and predestined, they should motivate us to awe and worship. So let me explain, as many of you shoot me dirty looks right now. Let me explain what predestined and chosen. See, Mary, Mary Lane and I are married. And in our marriage and in our relationship, we decided to have kids. Mary Lane and I, Mary Lane and I decided to, and we chose to have kids. So let me help you with this. We chose our kids. Now, we did not like choose their genders and all of that and who they were going to be, but we chose to have kids. We predestined, when we got married, we discussed it. We wanted to have kids. We predestined it. So chosen and predestination means that God chose and predestined since the beginning of time to have kids, spiritual kids. So God put a plan together to do this, just like a married couple puts a plan together to have kids. God put a redemptive plan together to bear spiritual kids. So then we have to ask ourselves the question, why did God choose to have spiritual kids? And like all parents, we all ask ourselves sometimes, why did I choose to have kids? Why did God choose to have spiritual kids? Was it because God felt unfulfilled, so he decided to have spiritual kids? Was, did God choose to have spiritual kids, spiritual children, because he was lonely? Did God choose to bear spiritual children because he needed us? Why did God choose to have spiritual kids? To glorify himself, to display his glory. And we see throughout the Bible that God chooses people to display his glory. The Bible is a book of election. In Genesis 1, God created the world for his glory. Genesis 12, God chose Abraham and his family to bring spiritual blessing to the nations. In Deuteronomy 7 and Isaiah 42, God chose the nation of Israel to be a light to the nations. Jesus chose 12 disciples to bear spiritual fruit, and multiply. He explained that in John 15, 16. The apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29, that God chooses what is insignificant and despised in the world so that no one can boast in his presence. In Romans 9 through 11, Acts 13, 48, Titus 1, 1, 1 Peter 1, 1, 2 Peter 1.10, we see that God chose individuals for salvation. These believers, both Jew and Gentile, make up the church. In the Old Testament, God chose the people of Israel to reflect his glory and make his name known to the nations. In the New Testament and currently, God's chosen people is the church. We are to make God known and reflect his glory to the nations. 
So here's the reality that we live in, and this is what helps define us and who we find our identity in. Before Adam and Eve, before Genesis 1-1, before the creation of the world, God chose you. Christian, believer, follower of Christ, he chose you. He chose you. You didn't so much choose him as he chose you before you were born. God the Father in eternity past, he chose you. He chose you. And this is a deep truth that should not cause debate. It should cause us to celebrate. This is a truth that should not cause division. It should cause worship, which is what Paul's doing here in Ephesians 1. The great truth of the doctrine of election of chosen and predestination of God's choice, and it's used over 50 times in the Bible, this truth should not cause denominational wars, but worship. Because from the beginning of time, God chose you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God chose you. He opened your eyes to the need of salvation before you were born, before the creation of the world. God Almighty Creator chose you. This word predestined, predestination, it's shown five times in the New Testament. It's not a bad word. It's a good word. It's there. It's right here. And we don't understand all the fullness of it. Sometimes in our flesh, because we as human beings, we are such control freaks, and we have to have this idea and feeling that we have to understand how God chose us, what he did to chose us, who's chosen and not chosen, and we get all of that, and we don't understand all the fullness of it. Nobody does. But here's what you need to know about being chosen and predestined. Before you were born... God destined you to be adopted into his family. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer, despite who you were, despite your past and your sin, despite your rebellion against God, despite your imperfections, he predestined to say to us as his children, I am coming to get you. I'm, coming to, I'm going to take you home, and you're going to be part of my family. And so when we look at this reality of being chosen in Christ and being predestined for adoption, this changes your identity. So instead of us finding our identity and value in our job and whether or not we're successful in our career, part of our glorious identity of who we are in Christ is that we are chosen and predestined in Him. Instead of finding our identity in our family and in our last name 
our identity is found in Christ in that we were chosen and predestined before the foundations of the world. If we find our identity and value in some sort of human relationship, we will be left with disappointment. But if we understand that Christ has chosen us and predestined us in Him, then we will find our value not in a relationship with a human being, but in a relationship with Christ. If we as a, as a church if the church finds its identity in music style, we will be divisive. But if we find our identity in the reality that we are God's chosen people and that our mission is to shine his glory to the nations, then music style will not matter, but our identity that we are chosen and predestined will be. If we find our identity as a church in what someone may wear to church, we will be judgmental. But if we find our identity in that we are chosen and predestined from the, crea from the creation of the world to make God known to the ends of the earth, then we will not be judgmental, but we will be evangelistic. If we find our value and our identity in a structure rather that we are chosen and predestined in Christ, then we will become rigid rather than faithful. And so, faith family, if we do not find our value personally in the fact that we are chosen and predestined from the foundations of the world, we will wilt spiritually. <coughs> And if we do not, as a church, find our identity in the spiritual blessing of being chosen and predestined, we will decline and die. You may be here this morning and you say, Adam, I am not sure if I am in relationship with Christ. God has put into place a beautiful, redemptive plan to call you to himself. So believe. Believe that Jesus lived the life that you could not live, that he died the death that, that you could not die, and that he resurrected to give you brand new spiritual life. Because as we come to the end of our lives, and the reality is that we all have to face our mortality, life is very short. And one day we will stand before God and our identity will not be found in what we did or did not do in our lives. Our identity as we stand before Christ will be what, for he, what he did for us and the spiritual blessings he's provided for us. Pray with me. God, we thank you that from the beginning of time that you chose to have spiritual kids. Lord, we thank you that you put together a redemptive plan in place to redeem us back to yourself. And so we thank you because of that plan we can be your children.
We can be in relationship with you. Though we have not chosen you, in fact, we have rejected you. You you called us to yourself, and you have made us your children. You have adopted us, and we say thank you, and we praise you for that. God, I pray for those of us who are believers and followers of you. Help us to avoid the temptation of finding our identity in some temporarily earthly value, but that we would find our value in you and what you've done for us and that you have provided for us, you have predestined and chosen us. I pray for anyone here who has not believed you, they have not followed you, they have not trusted in you for their salvation. God, I pray you would open their eyes to their need of finding their true identity in you. Break us of our pride. Help us to find our true identity in you. God, we thank you that you are a God that wants us to be fulfilled. You want us to be happy, but that can only be found in you. So help us to find our our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our identity in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.